Are you a developer or conversational designer looking to excel in the latest AI platforms? Or maybe you're in marketing looking for the latest in audio branding and customer engagement. Or maybe you're a startup, a business owner, an investor, or simply want to know about the future of voice technology. Then Voice Summit held in Newark, New Jersey this July is for you. Get your ticket at voicesummit.ai. That's voicesummit.ai. We can't wait to hear your voice and meet you at the conference. Today, Voice Summit Programming and Content Director Janice Mandel welcomes Ahmed Bouzid to the Inside Voice podcast. Dr. Ahmed Bouzid is the founder and CEO of Witlingo, a McLean, Virginia-based startup that builds products and solutions for voice-first devices and platforms, such as Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, Microsoft Cortana, and Samsung Bixby. Prior to Witlingo, Dr. Bouzid was the head of Alexa's smart home product at Amazon and VP of Product and Innovation at Angel.com. Dr. Bazid is also the co-founder and director of the Ubiquitous Voice Society, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the mission of evangelizing the emerging voice interface. He holds 12 patents in the speech recognition and natural language processing field and is a visiting lecturer at Weber State University. He was also recognized as a speech luminary by Speech Technology Magazine. He will be a speaker at our event and is also one of our sponsors. Well, hi, Ahmed. This is Ahmed Bouzid, founder and CEO of Witlingo. Welcome to Inside Voice. Thank you. Thank you very much, Janice. Thank you for inviting me. Very happy to be speaking with you. We're excited to have you at Voice Summit this year. You and Brielle Nikoloff and Dr. Sirish Kandabolu are going to be doing a, a session on ideating and designing for Voice First. Can you give us a little preview about that? Sure, absolutely. I'm one of those people who believes that not a lot of energy and attention is being paid to researching experiences that you want to build products for and spending time designing for the product that you want to launch. More time is spent on hackathons, let's code, 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 as if technology or software was about coding, when in fact, the majority of the effort should, if you want to deploy a great product, should go into researching. And what do I mean by researching? Well, it means, okay, what is the target customer? And what problem are you solving for them? And let's go and talk to them. Let's go and observe them. Let's go and understand their life. Let's go and understand the context of the problem they're solving. Let's gather all that information. Let's get into, let's do a deep dive into understanding what are we solving so that we can build the right thing. And what happens usually is, oh, it's software. So let's just build software and spend minimal time. I've seen it over. It's, it's shocking how even big companies don't do the basics of researching. And once you've researched, you don't go directly and start coding. You, you design, right? You design something, you design a prototype, you design a minimal viable product, and you go back to those people that you want to build for. And you make sure you're not making any bad assumptions, that you're solving the right things, that you're featuring the right features, and so on. And only then do you get into coding or developing. And so basically, through uh, what we do in conferences, such as Voice, and in the meetups that we do, we're always trying to push the research and design envelope, or, or at least bring it more into the consciousness of people who are building for Voice. And, and I think it's crucial for Voice because more than any other interface, I would say, is because voice is so minimalist and so challenging and you can easily build 
very mediocre to sub-mediocre experience if you don't do the research. So the research is even, research and design is even more important. And so to answer your question, so the session will be about, well, how do we think through pinpointing problems to solve? So ideating, solving real problems for real people. The session is called Ideating and Designing for Voice First. Yes, not coding for voice first. And again, I'm not putting down coding. I'm just saying that there's a lot of focus on hackathons and coders and putting coding at the center of the launch experience when it should not be at the center of the, should be an important part, but the center should be research design and then test. Okay. Those are the key things. If you want excellence, that's where most of the excellence is lost. You can have a fabulous built and coded uh, piece of product that does exactly what it was told to do, but it's doing the wrong thing. And so you end up delivering something that nobody wants to use, or it was designed badly. So the developer developed exactly the voice experience that you wanted them to, do, to build, but the design was, uh, you know, shabby. And so you end up with a shabby experience. Anyway, specifically in terms of so just the high level, we want to focus on ideating designing. But also in terms of the vertical itself, so we're focusing on the specific vertical of what healthcare is huge, but within healthcare, we want to focus on the use case of, okay, somebody just had a surgery, and just to show you how we are very much into defining, pinpointing the use case, somebody who just had a knee surgery, and what kind of problems that somebody just, who had just had a knee surgery would need to solve, and how can we solve those problems with the voice first interface because they are laid you know they are on, on in the bed and because they maybe they, they don't want to go and look for their phone and so forth maybe they can just ask questions and get answers so the session will be how do we ideate and design and then we will also be able to showcase our tool which basically is built for folks who don't code right again going back to let's spend most of our time and energy and money you know we the people who are, are launching these skills Let's spend as much of that money on researching and designing and minimize the amount of money on coding, right? Coding, again, I don't want to put down coders. Coding is a commodity, meaning you can find real great coders out there, and that's great, and that's fantastic, but it is all about the research and the design. Wow. And so you're also going to demo your Google Action for clinical trial engagements, uh, as well as that post-op use cases? Exactly. So our tool allows you to build once, to build the content and the experience. And when I say build, I don't mean code. I mean, somebody who can do drop downs and upload files, somebody who can you know, manage, say, a YouTube channel, somebody who can do that will be able to create that content. That content will be delivered simultaneously, you know, instantly, an Alexa skill and a Google action. And then when the Samsung platform is ready, and I think it's going to get ready, hopefully in the next few months, we will add that and so that you'll have, now you have three platforms where you can launch your experience on. Wow. So this didn't happen overnight. Uh, you just didn't have a great idea and roll out of bed with it. You used to head up smart home product at Amazon and you were VP product and innovation at angel.com. So you've kind of, you know, the director of the uh, ubiquitous voice society. So you've been out there for a while. I mean, you've got 12 patents in speech recognition and natural language processing alone. So how did you get into voice? I've always been in voice, so I don't remember how I get into voice forever, right? And since graduate school, I did natural language. And then my first job was in natural language and then speech. You know, ever since I've been work, I've been, a say, a, a working person. I've been doing voice and speech. And so it's been interesting to see how it has evolved through the years, yeah. 
Actually, yes, you are one of those people we talk about when we say, hey, you know, what's interesting about voice today is that it is a perfect storm of people who have been studying these things for many years, different aspects that make voice happen, design or implementation. And so you've just like from day one, just been uh, one of those people who move their expertise along. And now you're in this perfect storm where you have these eager people that are jumping around and uh, pushing forward with new advancements in um, voice technology. And um, you went for an interesting angle here. You went for the platform maker. Yes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Voice is the interface that is the easiest to use and the easiest to learn. Even having to learn a smartphone, you have to be told that you have to double click, you have to double tap, and you have to swipe, and you have to do fingers. It's not a natural interface. Somebody has to tell you these things. You have to learn it and you have to remember it, right? Whereas voice is, if the system is doing its job, you should just ask and you, and you listen and you get an answer back. So the whole thing is about ease, right? Ease of consumption, ease of asking for information, ease of getting information back. And so... Number one, it's a more inclusive interface, right? More people are able to use it. You could be a three-year-old, four-year-old, and you can use it. You could be somebody who has issues with vision, or maybe you are laid down in the hospital, you can't use your hands, right? So you can use your voice, right? If you can use your voice and you can hear, then you can use it. So it's an interface that's inclusive, and ease is, is central to it. So the angle that we've taken from our side is, since ease is core, we want to extend that notion of ease to the launching of these experiences. So it should be easy to create and launch and maintain. And so that's why we went for a platform, but not a development platform in the traditional sense where the coders are our target audience, but the, say, the business user, or some, the marketing person, the marketing manager who knows how to manage their digital properties, for example, or the customer care manager who knows how to manage tickets and their team and so forth. And so this is just another tool. Right, another tool that allows them to do things easily and without having to go to IT, without having to go to the, the sort of the brains of an organization to do complicated things. That's where we're at, and that's the target market where we're after. Wow! So, in watching people adopt these tools that you're creating, what have you learned about people and this new era we're coming into? There are mistakes people are making, or there are opportunities that they're finding. Well, there are all kinds of people, right? But I think there are some basic lessons we're learning, and that is people do appreciate simplicity. And it's very rewarding to see that, right? Somebody who wants to do something and they want to do something in voice, they have things to say, uh, they want to be part of this new thing, and then they find this tool, our tool, for example, or other tools that are similarly accessible, a tool that simply allows them, that empowers them. And so people do love software that works and is not intimidating, and that lets them do what they want to do. And getting to that point, launching software like that is really hard to do, not because it's hard to code again, but it's very hard to do because you have to do a lot of research, a lot of thinking, a lot of iterating, a lot of challenging assumptions, a lot of unearthing assumptions, a lot of just ground work that is often left undone. And this applies not to voice only, it applies to any software, any product. Really, if you want to deliver something that differentiates in that it is being, it's going to be used and loved, do that work, do that groundwork. And the thing is that the people who are getting to voice usually, or in technology in general, and do things and create things are engineers, right? So because it's a technical a technology thing, the engineer is the one who can create things, the, the one who can create software. 
and again, I don't want to overgeneralize, but engineers don't have the frame of mind of doing groundwork research. That's not their job. That's not what they do. So what you end up is you end up with stuff created by engineers that works, but is not solving a real problem. The best thing has features, but it's not solving a real problem. I still hark back to, this, to, the, to the point I started with, which is research, 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 design, 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 then code, 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 but then test, test, test. And then, then you end up with something amazing. So just to answer your question, what do people appreciate? Highly usable products that solve their problems. And it, they, they don't have, these products don't have to be complex. They just need to do thing, the right things well and that empower them. Well, I can attest to that. I love using Castlingo. I hit the button once a week and it's just a no-brainer for me. It's so easy. It makes me feel really good. So I appreciate that. I don't know what kind of research went into uh, putting that together. Well, I'll tell you what, the research for that went from what can we throw away? What can we throw away? What can we throw away? And then we ended up with something very, very, very simple. And then there were a couple of assumptions we made. For example, we had it at the beginning where uh, you need to press and hold and then people complained about that. And so they wanted just to press uh, and speak. It's been about starting somewhere with some research, getting it out there, crucial, get it out there, get it into the hands of people. You will learn a lot. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be more than four or five people, to be honest with you, right? Just get four or five people. That's going to be a quantum leap from you and your team being the ones who, who are playing with it. Because if, if the developers and the designers and the researchers are the ones who are going to come up with the features, I can assure you that they will build the wrong product. I can assure you that you will not deliver the right product. You know, I this harkens back. I just spoke with um, Nokia Bell Labs' uh, Donald Hernan yesterday, and he made a study of putting together engineers and artists to make sure that those perspectives were just mashed together to see, you know, what they could come up with to create something new. That's interesting, yeah. Oh, fascinating stuff. He's got a docu-series out there. They used a beatbox musician to test of her voice. And at one point, the beatbox musician, when he had an artificial intelligence assistant, then do something that he had done and then improve it, he had a crisis, a moment and said, well, now I'm not unique. So what is this? What can I find out more about it? That sounds fascinating. It is fascinating. Well, inside voice, that'll be right on the air very shortly. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a docu-series, too. You get, they're looking at community, science, education, creative potential of AI. So that's going to be really, really exciting. Let's see. What else is going on with you? I know. We just never know what you're going to come up with next. How do you come up with these ideas? You just look at the marketplace and say, what's next? Well, you know, the marketplace is a big word, right? You know, as I was saying, we just, we live with potential users, right? We, and we uh, research, we talk to them and we observe and we think. And, you know, uh, the thing is, if you have some basic tenets that are guiding you, right? Basic principles that are guiding you in terms of what kind of a company are we and what are we, what, why do we exist and so forth. If you have those guiding you, then you'll be able to sort of think through what are the kinds of problems that you want to solve given who you are. So we exist to deliver, to empower folks, to empower the regular person, to empower individuals, to empower the business buyer, the, you know, the marketer and so forth, and empower them to deliver content, voice content, interesting voice content easily into the world. 
Therefore, what kind of products do we build? We build a cast lingo. So cast lingo is something that anyone hopefully will be able to use and use without any frustration. Just click, record, post, and you're done. That's it. That's what you want to do. I can say it's like having a three-button phone. Exactly. You have to research, as I was saying, and do all those things. And then you have to keep your eye on the ball of simplicity because it's very easy to add features. People are always asking, can you add this? Can you add that? Can you add this? Can you add that? And then it's sort of a balance between are we withholding value, the expense of usability, or is it worthwhile to tweak the usability, uh, maybe even compromise it a little bit uh, for the sake of value, for the sake of being able to do one more thing. So you just keep testing at those phases, at every phase? Exactly. You have continuous conversation with your customers and users. You have to listen to them. You have to take what they have to say seriously. You will have a lot of asks. Can you add this? Can you add that? Can you add this? Can you add that? Right. And then you have to make sure that, okay, is this something that a lot of people are asking for? And then if the decision is made to add that feature, then, well, how can we add it without compromising our core value proposition of simplicity? Because every time we add something, and if we don't add it the right way, we may frustrate somebody who wants to adopt the technology for the first time. So you have to keep that in mind, right? If we were building something for engineers, right, then we don't have to worry about that. We have to worry about something else, really. It's about how do we empower them to do things. They'll figure things out on their own. That's what they, they like complexity, right? That's what they are all about. You know, give me something challenging that I can solve, that I can use my brain for. The other folks are not interested in that. They're interested in delivering value. They don't have time to figure out how the tool works. They have something more important to do than that. I have more important things to do than to figure out how to use this remote control. Give me the three buttons that I use, which is on, off, volume, and basically that's it. You know, the best thing that ever happened to me was when Comcast added the voice feature and I could just ask for my shows. The only complexity was that my husband kept answering me from the other room. What did you say? That's funny. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a people problem. Seriously, though, you know, I've been around for a while in technology. I was a computer book editor way in the early 80s when we were first starting out. And I've watched the tyranny of technology in some ways, been subject to it, you know, having to learn new things all the time. And as I got older, people said, uh, you know, oh, you just don't understand how to use the newest thing. And I kept saying, well, I don't want to. I would like it to become more simple because I know as an editor, as a writer, what you described in your research process, what I do in my writing process was I get it all down on paper and start to take away the things that are unnecessary. And so that's human, I think. And that helps with human understanding. And I think we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when somebody says, hey, it's your fault that you can't figure out how to use it. That's cool, right? I think so. It should be obvious, you know, that uh, the green button is the good thing and the red button is the bad thing. And if you switch those two, it's not my fault. Exactly. But this is a sea change in how we think about technology. I mean, the minimal right now is just to say, hey, we have the means now for inclusivity and for accessibility. Now it's a mentality issue. We have a head of uh, Anil Lewis from the Federation for the Blind coming this year, and he's going to be talking to folks about how they can actually run those voice first projects by his association and his members first, just to say, hey, what do you think before you actually give it as a fait complete? Yeah, that's great. It's a different way of thinking than we've been given in the past. That's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, then we go back to the core thing about voice, which is 
simplicity, uh, minimal. Because of the constraints of voice, you have to be clear about what is it that this scalar action is going to do. And you have to do your research to find out what are people going to ask so, so that it, it will react uh, accordingly. And so the core to it is simplify, simplify, and then simplify some more, not the reduced value, but simplify in terms of usability. And that's hard to do. It's really hard to do. And uh, voice user interface designers, we don't have enough of them out there. And it's a good thing that we that the new generation of them is emerging. And so I think we will see the quality of these voice experiences become better and better. And so that's a good thing. Oh, yes. At Voice Summit, we have designers coming out in force. And I'm very excited at some of the sessions that, that we'll see there. And you are among the people I am looking forward to seeing again. And we'll have Brielle Nikoloff from Witlingo on the main stage. Any idea what we're going to learn a little bit about more designing for um, sanity's sake? That's exactly right. Yes. All right. How do you test after you put these features in? You just go back to people and say, what do you think? Yeah, well, it depends uh, what we're testing. So if we're, if we're testing a mobile app, obviously we give them, a, you know, a build uh, so that they can install on their app. And we, we sort of do two kinds of tests really is, okay, can you try A, B, and C, and D just to see what they think about uh, the way we've designed it? But uh, also number two is we just tell them, you know, go ahead and use it and tell us what you think. So then things like, uh, what is this thing for anyway? It comes up, right? Oh, we didn't answer that question. Or what's the first thing I can do? Or what can I do with it? And how do I do this? And uh, those things, there's lots of questions are just not asked by us because they're obvious. You know, we don't ask them because they're, they're just there, right? The answers to them are there. And so when you give it to some, when you give an app to someone, they will obviously find, you know, they'll come from an angle that you didn't even think of. In terms of voice, it's basically more or less the same thing. We give them a version of the scale of the action that is not published. And we do those two kinds of things. Try these kinds, try this, this and that. And why don't you just try it and tell us what you think in general so that you have two kinds of feedbacks. One is value, you know, what is this for and what can I do with it? And is it interesting? And number two is usability. Is it easy to use and so forth? So you could have a skill or an action that does something really useful for you, but does it badly. Or you could have the kinds of uh, another type of actions is, or skill is really nicely designed, but it's who cares, right? It doesn't do anything interesting. The best, obviously, kinds of, uh, of skills and actions are the ones who, that do something of value and do it well. And again, that thing of value does not have to be 16 things. It could be two things. It could be, you know, like, for example, one of the most highly used features of Alexa in our household is the alarm and the timer. Very simple feature, powerful. You can do that with an Echo device or a Google Home device much more easily and with less effort than any other interface. And that's what you, be, you should be looking for when you're trying to build something. Ask yourself the question, okay, for the target audience that we're after, target user, is this skill that I'm thinking of, is this the best way to do this? Or can they do it better using a mobile app? Can they do it better using a chatbot? Can they do it better using a laptop? And when I say better, I mean taking everything into consideration, effort, uh, remembering what to say, remembering what to do. Take all of that and ask yourself, you know, is it better done through voice or not? For example, it is much better done not in voice, but using a laptop and not a mobile app to go and schedule your trip. Because scheduling your trip requires you to do lots of things. You have to find the hotel and the car rental and the flight information, blah, blah, blah. So it's a process. And usually you have to choose between things. 
And so that experience, there's no way in hell that you're able to do it well in voice. Uh, voice is not perfect for everything. On the other hand, if you just want to find out like a timer, say, you know, I want to set the timer for 15 minutes and that's it. Well, it makes sense because we all, you know, our hands are in the food in the kitchen. So often you're in the middle of making something and you don't want to touch your phone even just to set that timer. Exactly. The thing about those specific use cases is even if you are, your hands are not busy and your eyes are not busy, it's better, right? Especially when, you know, let's say you're typing, I'm typing, I'm looking at the screen. So my eyes are busy because I'm looking at the screen and typing. So my hands are busy and I find out I have a trip in three days or tomorrow. I have a trip tomorrow for San Francisco. I'll just ask, you know, what's the weather in San Francisco? Boom, right? I don't have to take my eyes off. I don't have to take my hands off. I don't have to do control T to tap to search for San Francisco weather. I just ask, right? So like, to your point, especially when it's eyes busy and hands busy, then voice becomes clearly the best interface for doing that kind of a thing. Wow. So I learned a lot today. You know, it seems like we should obviously know this, but um, sometimes we let our prejudices get in the way with what we think we should be making. Thank you for outlining all that. I look forward to seeing you at Voice. Any last uh, observations you want to share with us about your experience up until now? Any surprises you had with, you know, are you surprised that Voice is out there? No, I'm not surprised. I'm uh, relieved that it's finally here because forever we, the Voice people, have been saying Voice is just around the corner. And when we were right that Voice was going to come, but it came later than we thought it was, it was going to come. But, but it, in hindsight, one understands why, because it, the technology that is required to deliver Voice effectively and efficiently and in a way that uh, is usable it took that long because it's a hard, a really hard problem. You have to solve the voice problem. You have to solve the natural language problem. You have to solve the latency problem. You have to solve lots of very hard problems. And all the technology that led all the way to when Amazon launched the Echo in 2014, all it had to happen first. So I would say, yeah, we're very happy to have uh, lived long enough to see it happen, so to speak. So would you say then voice is here? <laughs> voice is for sure here. Voice is, is here and it's here to stay. In terms of voice, the conference, first of all, congratulations on an amazing work. You guys are doing a fabulous job doing something just hugely important, which is to bring together a community that identifies itself as the voice community. And I think uh, just to go back to the ethos of inclusiveness of voice and, you know, voice is the interface that hopefully as many people as possible can use. I think you are you're capturing that in your inclusiveness, in giving voice to as many people as possible. So uh, hopefully... Thank you. Hopefully that has not um, gone unnoticed by the audience and by the people who are participating. And the last thing I'll say is just, um, you know, we are going to be launching a new version of our product. The version of the product we're launching will have a new set of features that will enable uh, the broadening of the community of participants, right? So just like Castlingo is enabling folks to to post, um, we're we're broadening the product to enable people who are not necessarily caster; they're just regular folks who have interesting things to say and they want to be able to participate in conversations. And so you'll we'll be un unveiling that in uh, in some. Well, I look forward to that. Thanks so much for today. Talk to you soon. Well, thank you, Janet. 